What is up, my fellow indie hackers? Welcome to yet another Wannabe Entrepreneur, the podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. My name is Tiago, your favorite indie hacker, I suppose, probably, maybe not. And what is your name? Yeah, you never say anything. It's crazy. I mean, it's only me talking. I'm joking. I know this is a podcast. <laughs> well, today... I I have I don't even know where to start in today's episode to be honest because so much has happened. For starts, it's been uh, two weeks since we last talked because I was on holiday, which was really good. Which and it is something that I want to talk about because it was the first time that both Joe and I were on holiday. Uh, it just uh, it was a coincidence, we didn't plan it, but actually both of us went to the island of Madeira, which is here in Portugal, really beautiful, uh, for separate reasons. We went for a wedding, I went for just normal vacations. But yeah, we were both out and pot squeeze is still going, but actually our MRR went down. Um, so that's one thing that I want to talk about, there's many other topics, so yeah, get ready, buckle up. And, uh, yeah, take a deep breath and let's get started. And I want to start with some indie news. I recently created a channel on uh, our community. We have a community for indie hackers. And if you want to join, the link will be in the description. So I created a channel called Indie News. And it's been a somehow busy channel. Not super busy, but like I quite often share some news there about our indie community in general. And this past week, I think it was last week, actually, yeah, I was on in Madeira when this happened, uh, Dagobert launched a very, or, or not launched, uh, shared a very interesting post on Twitter, basically saying that he was quitting or kind of dropping his project, his uh, startup called Logology, and is now going to start a job normal job, not an indie job. And of course, I think this shocked the community because Dagobert is one of the biggest indie hackers out there. He has more than 70,000 followers on Twitter. He is the mark for all of us. And he has, you know, he's, he's considered to be the meme lord. He has a lot of funny memes that we all love and adore. I had him here in the podcast many times. And, of course, it was a shock when I first read this. It's um, I will link the tweet in the description so that you can see it. But I, I can quickly give you a, a read. Uh, maybe I won't read everything. But basically says that uh, my wife and I decided to give up on our startup Logology. It was a tough decision to make, especially after spending five years and almost all of our savings to bootstrapping. Sure, we had some wins, and I'm proud that we brought it to 3k revenue per month. But with the cost of living plus running a business in France is barely enough to survive. Which is, by the way, this is very interesting, right? So it it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to live these days, right? I, mean, I don't know if you made a calculation on how much money you need, uh, how much money you spend uh, per month. A lot of people don't do this, um, but... For, for me, for instance, only me, not my partner, is about 1,500 bucks, which is a lot. Sure, maybe we could reduce it a little bit, but for sure, even for us, 3K would 
probably not be enough. Uh, you have to pay rent and, you know, you want to keep a, star, a certain life. You know, we like to travel. We, I mean, I like to eat out. And, of course, we can cut on these things. And I'm sure Dago and Lucy did that. But for how long can you cut on these things? Because at the same time, as a developer, you can be making a lot more and maybe with half of the stress or even like a tenth of the stress. So, And of course, that this is always in your mind. It's uh, always it's something to consider while you're going through your indie journey. But continuing here to read the post. So he also says that, um, yeah, after five years of fighting, we are exhausted, out of motivation and out of money. So we decided it's better to call it quits. I feel ashamed to not be one of the successful founders. I see on Twitter every day. I feel stupid that all the time and money spent wasn't enough to make, make it. I also feel silly for celebrating that we reached profitability a few months ago. Then a couple of months later, it was already back below survival level. He said that he stopped tweeting and something really important as well. He says that in last February, I suffered a massive burnout. My heart rate started going crazy every time I stood up. I had to lay in bed for weeks and it was so bad that I thought it was long COVID. Now... I'm able to walk again, but I need to take it slow and monitor my heart rate for random spikes throughout the day. This is crazy. So, yeah, it's it's a long post. I'm not going to read it all. But um, just to finish here, it says that my wife will keep the site running while she's, she figures out what she does next. She might simply go back to designing custom logos like before. And on my end, I decided to go back to a job. I never thought I'd do this, but I really need to put a stop to the crazy hours and constant financial pressure. I hope working on a product without having to worry about money will make work enjoyable again. He also says that he basically is super grateful to all the support he got on Twitter and all the friends he made on Twitter. Now, of course, this was shocking. This was shocking. I, I interviewed Dago here a lot of times and we celebrated our successes and his successes here in the podcast. And he also talked a lot about how Logology was super stressful. And even though he was making some MRR was not enough. I sent a message to Dago Berg. Uh, because we met, right? we met here and we exchanged and, and we are friends and we, um, I tried to support as, as best as I could. And, and funny enough, he said something that uh, kind of stuck with me. He said, hey, Tiago, can you imagine that last time we talked in your podcast, we we're actually celebrating uh, my Twitter course. He, he was saying this and I was still kind of making 300 bucks, 400 bucks with my community and and now uh, Dagobert was basically saying that kind of the tides has turned and now I'm making money and is dropping out. And I think this is, for me, this made, I mean, I understand this point, but I mean, for me, he has succeeded already. Success is not, I don't know what you think about success is. For me, there's no happy ever after, right? There's always ups and downs. There's times where you're making maybe tons of money and you feel that you're on top of the world. Then there are times where you are back down. And 
I know that this will happen with PodSqueeze, for sure. Uh, I'm trying to prevent this from happening, uh, or I'm trying to delay this, but I know this will happen. I know that uh, PodSqueeze now is having some success because of a lot of factors, one being the fact that AI is trending, but as well, I know that we have a very big churn rate and things can just uh, slow down. It happens. And Dago had and has a lot of success. Getting to 70k Twitter followers is crazy. It's huge success. And also the Twitter course he made, he made a lot of money out of that. Right? So definitely he succeeded in the indie hacking world. Now, why is he feeling like he didn't? It's a great question. It's a really good question. So in my perspective, and I've told this here, and I spoke about this here in the podcast before, Hindi hacking is a different lifestyle. It's not an occupation. It's not only an occupation. It's not only a job. It's a lifestyle. And as a lifestyle, it has its perks and its downsides, but you just need to get used to that, right? Working for others, it's also a lifestyle in my opinion. When you work for others, you have some perks, right? You have some stability, you don't have as much stress, and you can just switch jobs. But at the same time, you are bounded. You cannot be as creative as you want. You cannot do whatever you want. You cannot maybe control your hours as well. Um, it's there, again, good sides and bad sides. Something that I've realized uh, after maybe a year and a half of being a full-time indie hacker uh, is, is that, yeah, I am an indie hacker, and this is what I want to do. This is the lifestyle I want to live. Now, of course, that I have people around me that require, and even myself, we require a little bit more money. And sometimes this lifestyle does not pay the bills. So one thing that I've done, and I told you about this, was that I got a freelance gig. But when I got this gig, I really wanted it to be a side gig. So indie hacking is still my main occupation. And then this side job, which consequently was paying the bills, was still my side job. That helped me a lot. That helped, like getting the side job was really important because I got to reduce my anxiety. Um, and because believe it or not, money is still... The, the the possibility of making money is still something that is a lot connected to our ego. And if you do not make enough money for a long time, and in this case for Dago, it was five years. Uh, of course, he was making a lot of money, but still it was not enough for him. That kind of pays a toll in your ego. And you think, well, what, what am I doing? You know, like I've been trying this so hard. And I'm not succeeding. And it's hard. It's really hard to explain this to others. It's really hard to explain this to yourself. And, and sometimes you just start considering life and start thinking, is this worth it? So the moment I got this side job, it helped me so much because it kind of gave me some a boost to my ego. I thought, okay, no, the market still appreciates my skills. And I, I'm still able to make money. I can do this. I'm good. It's just... 
it's just that I, I hadn't been lucky or maybe this is just super hard. Being indie hacker, getting a product that takes off, it's extremely hard. Most people don't do it. So it, it's normal that I am not succeeding at the moment. But I will because I'm still good. So it was really a game changer for me to get this. And um, I, I recommended a few people also in the community to, to, to do it. For instance, Pere from the community as well. He, he left his job, I think, like a year ago. And he had a project on Twitter. Then you know what happened with Twitter. So he was, again, also feeling a bit low. He needed some money. And I told him, hey, do not get a full-time job. Just get something, a freelance or something that can kind of pays the bills and helps. But then you can still focus on your indie hacking. And he did this. Uh, recently, shared in the community that he got a job um, that basically allows for both things to happen, to still be indie hacker and still and make money. So, Yeah. I think that's something that's really important. That's basically also what I told Dago. Like, you didn't fail, for sure. I mean, you inspired everyone. You made money. You learned a lot. So now, just go back. Maybe chill a bit. Get a job. Recover a little bit your ego. Get some new energies. And hopefully, you will be back uh, dazzling us with great, great products. I also think that, uh, I think I told you this before, but one thing that was kind of game changer, and, and I've learned a lot about indie hacking, but one, probably one of the most important traits of an indie hacker, in my opinion, is to keep an open mind and to be flexible. Which, it can be really hard, because once we get stuck in a project that is kind of working, it's extremely hard to just say, okay, just drop it or put it in, in the back burner, and let's focus in something completely new. A lot of people do not do this, but I believe that if you really want to succeed, and with that I mean you want to pay your bills and, and save money from your project, you need to find something that out of the bat is has a lot of traction and is making money. Something like, like a pot squeeze where in one month we got 1k MRR, and after like four months now we are 8 KMRR. Uh, most of other projects, they, they take maybe a year or two years to reach this, or they never do, right? So if you want to live from your projects, I believe that it's maybe even more important to just iterate and drop projects that do not have this kind of success out of the bat. And of course, that some projects might just take longer, but if you are not willing to wait, just consider this and think, okay, maybe it's fine Let's launch something. If it doesn't work right away and I do not understand how I can make it work, let's just drop it and build something else. And for a lot of us, if you are developers, if you kind of know some no-code tools, you can iterate, you can build products super fast. And uh, a great example, again, it's another member from the community, Luca, that was already making 2K from his uh, indie projects with his Twitter-based products and I had him in, in the podcast as well multiple times, and you know what happened, right? And uh, actually, recently, he got to sell his companies to Hype Fury. Uh, Hype Fury is basically buying all the, these companies. <laughs> and uh, now he just launched another one. It's so fast. He trades so fast. He launched a really cool product called Notion Base that basically allows you to write an FAQ on your Notion pages and then connect it to a chatbot that you can use to give support, customer support to your users. So 
yeah, I mean, I, I know that he will succeed. Uh, he, he succeeded already. Uh, for me, he is a top indie hacker. But let's say that succeed is being able to live 100% from his, uh, from, his, um, from his indie projects. I know he will get it because he, is, he has the flexibility and you will get there eventually. So yeah, that, that's basically the news um, on the Tweety, Tweety, oh my God, the indie uh, world. I don't know. Do you like this? Shall, shall I speak more about this news about the indie community? Let me know at WB Tiago uh, if this is something that you like. Either I, I can just like every week bring some news about the indie community if there are any and, and comment on them. I think this is something I'm really passionate about this community. So it's something that I really like to talk about. Now, I want to share with you the story of how we found a new transcription provider. And it's kind of a bumpy ride. But now I think it's safe to say that it's finally over and I can share all the details. So when I first started PodSqueeze, we wanted to build something really fast. So I just searched for a transcription service. There were many out there. I found the first one or so and they had an API. I used it, worked amazing. However, they were charging two cents per minute which can become expensive really fast. Just for you to understand, just last month we made around 90,000 minutes converted. And that, uh, I think we spent like 1,800 bucks on this service. So Jean and I knew that we would need to either renegotiate, re re no, re renegotiate, yeah, that's it, the price. And... Yeah, we just postponed it a little bit. But then the product was ready, was mature, we had all the main features, and we decided, well, now it's time to try to find a better price. The first thing we did was to set up a meeting with our current provider, and we tried to negotiate something and said, hey, we are using this amount, we are scaling, we are a startup, can you give us a better price? And they said that they did, they could make a better price, but we needed to commit with... 5k or even 10k upfront. For us, this was impossible. It makes no sense. First of all, because we are a bootstrapping company and we do not have that kind of money just to give upfront. And second, giving that kind of money upfront would mean that we would stick with this company, with this provider for a year. And with the current status of AI, things are changing so fast. It makes no sense to just be stuck with a provider because what if Tomorrow, there is another provider that is much better and much cheaper, right? So they didn't have any other options for us. So we quickly decided to start looking out for other, other providers. And there were many, 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 many. And we had a lot of meetings. But let's say that in the end, there were three main contenders. The first one, the first contender that we... And keep in mind, I will try not to say names because this is something really important for uh, PodSqueeze. So I would prefer not to say it, but the first one, I impulsive, impulsively Im immediately said to Jean, hey, let's do it. I mean, they are cheaper, they are half of the price, and uh, they seem to be good. We had a meeting with them, let's do it. I don't know, sometimes I just want to go head on to things, and I just want to th see things happening, and this can be a great thing for indie hacker, but sometimes can be really bad for you know a business person, because... Sometimes it's good to just take a chill pill. Nothing will happen. We can just wait one, two weeks. Nothing will happen in the long term can be better for the business. So luckily, João 
told me, hey, Tiago, just take a chill pill. There's many other meetings. Let's let's see. And it was, yeah, it was really right uh, for many reasons. First of all, we had meetings with other providers that actually gave even a better pricing. But then when we started to test, right, of course, we needed to test all of this way. We got all these API keys and we all test all these models against basically a few um, episodes being one, the Peter Levels uh, interview that I think it's a good one because it's really famous here in the, in the podcast. It's the, the most listened one by far. And as well, it's we speak about a lot of random concepts and we sometimes speak on top of each other. So it's, it's good to test. And after testing, we quickly discard, discarded uh, the first one, the one that I wanted to just implement because they were super slow, like extremely slow. And it would take just... Too, too long to convert the episodes. And as well, the, the quality was not that good. So again, Juan was right. Juan was really right that uh, it's better to take a chill pill. And then in the end, we were stuck with two other providers. And one was really amazing because it was so fast. It was extremely, extremely fast. It would just convert a one-hour episode in a second. It was crazy. And to this day, I don't know how they are doing this. But they had a few issues, some weird issues. And we couldn't really figure out if it was just some tweaks that they needed to do or if it was like really structural issues. So we stuck with them and we exchanged a lot of messages. And this kind of dragged for a month. And they were able to improve their model. So the accuracy got better. And then um, they actually implemented a model based on Whisper. And if you do not know what Whisper is, it's basically um, kind of state-of-the-art transcription service. Uh, I think it's open source. I think it's created by OpenAI. I don't fully understand, but there's also a model that is open source. So it was working really well. Really amazing. We were surprised. Best results so far. Yeah, really best results so far. So we thought, well, that's it. We found our providers. They, they are also extremely cheap, much cheaper than anything else. So we thought, okay, that's it. So we ran again against uh, Peter Levels episode. But then the diarization, which is basically the capability of distinguish different speakers, it was completely wrong. It was only Peter and I speaking, but it would detect four speakers. And it was so random that we thought, okay, this is completely wrong. But for some reason, they wouldn't accept this. They would just say, oh, really? Is it wrong? Can you show me some examples? But that was a bit frustrating because for us, it's obviously that it's wrong. And it's obviously that it's wrong in any episode. So if they did any kind of testing, they would have detected this. So anyways, we kind of ignored this and we told them, hey, this is wrong. We show the examples. And then they came up with another model, a model that was working, a model that was really good. And we thought, wow, finally, that's it. The only thing is, was that, that this model was still not in production. It was in their staging environment, but they would, they would just release it two weeks from, from the time that they showed to us. So I thought, okay, let's just wait another two weeks. Again, we are not in a hurry. This model is amazing. It's super cheap. We are super excited. And I was getting really excited. I, I waited one week. I waited two weeks. And then in the third week, I was waiting and waiting and nothing. They didn't say a word. They didn't message us. Okay, hey, what is happening? And Joan and I just 
just wait it because we know that sometimes these things take time. They got to be delayed. In the fourth week, we send a message and say, hey, what's, what's going on? And they said, yeah, we're about to release it. Then they eventually released it. And I ran to my laptop. I installed the service and I ran it and I was so excited. And suddenly the diarization rhization was off again. <laughs> yeah, it was not working. It was not the same diarization rhization that they showed us in the staging environment. And again, the same frustrating because I was showing this to them and they were like, oh, can you show me some examples? And I couldn't understand what is happening here. I mean, it's obvious that it's wrong. We tested with many other episodes with different languages. All of them were wrong. But then when we had meetings with them, they seemed to be unaware of the issue. So this was a big, big red flag. I don't know. In the end, they couldn't fix it. They had no idea. At some point, they accepted that they had a better model, but they lost it. How is this possible? Like, I still do not understand. Like, my theory is that the the engine engineer that made this model, he was like talking with us, and we had a meeting with him. Suddenly, he just kind of disappeared. So I assume that he either left the company, or I don't know <laughs> what happened here. But he, he took the model with him, and maybe these are a little bit of conspiracy theories here. But yeah, suddenly this option that we had was off. We couldn't use it anymore. We couldn't trust it. So luckily, we had another one that was also quite good, almost as good as this one, and also quite cheap. So we went back to this option. We kind of reignited our conversation that because we were kind of certain that we would go with this other option. So we kind of cut tights, but we didn't completely close the conversation. We just said, hey, we are looking into this, but maybe we can go back to you. So we did this. And we implemented it. And even though they also required a commitment upfront, so basically we to get the best price, we would need to pay, I think, 2K upfront. Uh, that's that's bearable. That's something we can do. Um, previously, we had, for instance, our first provider was giving us 10K and 5K, which was just too much. So we thought, okay. That's good. Uh, this is a good amount of money that we can just give up front. And let's let's try it out. I got everything ready. I launched it into production. And it was working. It was working for the first week. It was working. I was really happy. The results were better. The pricing was, was much, much lower than our previous provider. After one week, it just shuts off. I wake up with... A lot of messages on our crisp, on our uh, support chat saying like, hey, your website is not working. Your website is not like, what? No, it's the first time that it's like there's a complete failure. And I realized that this provider is not delivering. It's, it's just throwing errors. I was so annoyed. I was really annoyed because, again, the, the first provider we were using never had any problem. I know it was expensive, but still, at least it was working. So... I, we later realized that we were still in the trial period. So they basically gave us a period of one week uh, of trial trialing to, to make sure everything was working fine. And the trial just expired. No one told us a thing. So they just cut off the API. And even though they knew we were using it in production, it was kind of annoying. Uh, I understand that maybe there was a lack of communication. But yeah, it was really annoying. Since then, I already implemented a lot of methods to alert me when this is happening, um, especially when we went for holidays. I, I took 
some time to just automate a lot of stuff and, and create a lot of alerts. So now this wouldn't happen. Uh, we also have a backup now. So if one fails, the other one basically goes goes on. But um, yeah, it was really annoying. Uh, we just had another chat with them. They said, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah, your trial just expired. But now we just signed the contract and it's working. It seems to be working and it's working for, I think, a week now. We have much better price, which is great because suddenly, even though our MRI is not growing that much this, this month, we we are still getting more money because we have less expenses. That's really, really good. And yeah, what I thought it would take one week end up taking almost two months to implement. But hey, these things take time. This is a crucial part of our business and it's good to take the time and, and do it properly. So yeah, that's basically that story. And I hope it was entertaining <laughs> for you. Yeah, besides that, last week, as I said, holiday, um, everything went fine. It was really good. Uh, I felt good knowing that I, I can, we both can just go and disconnect and the website just keeps running uh, without any issues and our users keep using it. One thing that was a bit annoying, though, was the fact that our MRR went down for the first time. First time our MRR went down. For uh, two main reasons. First, a big client just uh, churned, like a big client that was paying uh, this agency plans that I think it's two, $200 a month. And and we didn't get enough people entering. So I don't really know why this is happening. I believe that uh, maybe summer is starting and summer is not a great time for podcasters. A lot of podcasts, they just go on holiday and agencies, they don't need as much minutes. So I, I think we can assume that things will kind of stall a little bit and go down a little bit. And it's okay. Again, it's part of being an indie hacker. But yeah, it was annoying that that just happened exactly in the week of holiday. <laughs> because I just wanted to be, you know, feeling good and, and enjoy my time and, and going out for, for food and knowing that I was making more money. But yeah, just when I checked the MRI, I thought it was going down. It was a bit annoying. But that's okay. I mean, we are just working on on ways to in basically decrease our churn. Uh, we just implemented the annual plans that we didn't have before, and we are trying our best to understand what we can do better. Uh, it's still very exciting. It's still very exciting to work on PodSquiz. I, I have to be honest. I thought that by now I'll be kind of uh, wanting already to try new things, and I do want to try new things, but I don't really want to try new things. You know, Part of me, the part that is an entrepreneur and and creative wants to test other things for uh, for the creativity of, of it, but as well to get a little bit, I don't know, I want to replicate PodSqueeze uh, to get more stability and, and to learn more, right? Like want to be entrepreneur is all about learning how to become a better entrepreneur. So part of me wants that. The other part is super satisfied just playing around with PodSqueeze. And I know that there's a lot of things we can do and a lot of things we can learn. So, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll probably just keep on working more on, on pod squeeze. And uh, if there's another idea, I might work on that. But yeah, so far we are quite happy with that. And uh, I probably will start again doing more interviews here in the podcast because I feel I need to learn more. 
I need to learn more about this new step of being an entrepreneur, which is, okay, you have a product, you have a product with product market fit. What now? Like, how should you go about the marketing? What should you do next? How should you, should you scale? So I, I will probably try to interview a bunch of people around that, people that have done this before, and I will obviously share this with you. That's basically it for today's episode. And uh, this podcast is growing, uh, even though it's not growing super, super fast. We are now reaching around 250 downloads on average uh, per episode, which is great. It's really good. And 700 per week. Uh, that's also really amazing. So if you like this podcast, just share it with your friends. I think that's the best thing you can do. Just share it with your friends Indie Hacker Friends, you can tweet about it. You can also send me a message at uh, WBTiago on Twitter. I always answer. And if you want to support uh, us uh, monetarily, you can join our community for Indie Makers. It costs only 10 bucks per month and you get to meet a lot of other Indie Makers. You would will not feel as lonely. You can get some great advice. We also have a few discounts. So the links will be in the show notes of this episode. And that's it. This was another Wannabe Entrepreneur. See you next time. Did you know that uh, a lot of companies in the US need to do a lot of trainings? One being what happens if there's there is an active tutor in the office. That's crazy, right?